series called Don't Waste Your Life. And uh, Ben actually sort of developed or does it whatever, put this whole series together. So um, I'm excited to hear you wrap it up. So yeah, dude. give it up for Ben. Yay. I want to thank my mom and my dad for getting me to this point. Do I get a trophy or anything? I'm kidding. So what's up, guys? How's it going? I'm using two stands, and I don't think I'm trying to barricade you off or anything. Um, otherwise, it's just too much fumbling around. Uh, so 1939 to 1945, World War II happened. You guys know that. America joined the World War um, in 1941. Um, during this time, Jews were exterminated. 11 million, 12 million of them. So towards the end of the war, Hitler and the Nazis knew that, that they were going to be defeated very soon. So they started this max extermination of these Jews. And the way that they would, they would do this, they would load them up in these trains, put them in these rail cars that they used to, to ship off cattle normally. And they'd ship them to these extermination camps. They'd, they'd take them from labor camps to extermination camps. They claimed that they were resettling them or they were, they were repositioning them in different labor camps. But really, they're taking them straight to a gas chamber or a, a site to funnel out and dig their own grave and then they'd shoot them right then and there or these other nasty, disgusting, inhumane ways to kill them. But these rail cars that they would load them up in were about 8 feet wide, 8 to 13 feet wide and about 25 feet long. And they were given a bucket for hundreds of them, 50 to hundreds of them, stuffed in these things shoulder to shoulder and they couldn't move. And they'd be in there for days on end, for weeks on end. It'd be sealed tight so there'd be no sunlight. It's, it's pitch black. It stinks like none other in there because none of them have been able to shower for a long time. They've been at a labor camp. There's no way to filter out all the, all the feces. In the summer months, a lot of them would, would die in the rail cars from heat exhaustion. The winter months, they'd suffer from, from uh, frostbite. Or just, just freeze to death. There were some accounts where they would have to sit for, for two or three days to wait for another train to go by. That's carrying other Jews to a different camp. They'd have to wait there until the Nazis were able, Nazi soldiers were able to come out and switch the tracks and they'd move on for days. So after a speech, a pro-life speech, activist Penny Lee was approached by an old man. Weeping, he told her the following story. I'm just going to read this off. It's called Sing a Little Louder. True story. I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. I'd attended church since I was a small boy. We heard the stories of what was happening to the Jews. But like most people today in this country, he's in America, we tried to distance ourselves from the reality of what was really taking place. What could anyone do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we would hear the whistle from a distance and the clacking of the wheels moving over the track. We became disturbed when one Sunday we noticed cries coming from the train as it passed by. We grimly realized that the train was carrying Jews. They were like cattle in the cars. Week after week the train whistle would blow. We would dread to hear the sound of those old wheels because we knew that the Jews would begin to cry out as they passed our church. It was so terribly disturbing. We could do nothing to help these poor miserable people, yet their screams tormented us. We knew exactly at what time that whistle would blow, and we decided the only way to keep from being so disturbed by the cries was to start singing our hymns. 
By the time the train came rumbling past the churchyard, we were singing at the top of our voices. If some of the screams reached our ears, we'd just sing a little louder until we could hear them no more. Years have passed and no one talks about it much anymore, but I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear them crying out for help. God, forgive us all who called ourselves Christians yet did nothing to intervene. Now, so many years later, I see it all happening over again in America. God, forgive you as Americans, for you have blocked out the screams of millions of your own children. The Holocaust is here. The response is the same as it was in my country. Silence. So Penny then wrote this. She said, have you ever wondered how people could have stood by and let's just let the Holocaust happen? Do you ever wonder why the Christians in this story chose to sing their praise to God a little bit louder just to drown out the victim's cries? As American Christians, we've become so comfortable in our lovely buildings, our padded pews, beautiful fellowship halls, and our many banquets that we have. We have the latest sound equipment for our praise and worship. We have computers to keep our records. We gather together each week and shut ourselves inside our buildings. We raise our voices as loud as we can, all in the name of God. And yet we do nothing for those crying out in our communities, in our schools, in our churches. We do nothing. That's what we're talking about tonight. Tonight's talk is called The Product. What is a product? We're talking about how how God wants to use us in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our friend groups, in our friend circles, whatever it is you call it. First week, we talked about getting rid of the sin. It's a four-week series. We talked about getting rid of the sin that that entangles us, that keeps us from following God. Second week, Brad was up here taking ownership. He said take ownership of your faith. Spend some time in the Word of God by yourself. Go to church on your own. Have your own faith, not your parents' faith. Last week, Dakota was up here. He talked about the love of Christ and how we can share that with those around us and how we can show that to those around us. And he does a good job of that. It's awesome. He just prayed with me right before here and I said, I love you, man. That's awesome. He shows the love of Christ. And he talked about the Samaritan woman and the woman at the well, how they, they weren't supposed to be talking to each other, and yet he showed her that love. He said, thirst no more. So tonight we're talking about service, being a product that God can use any way that he wants. And to do this, you have to get rid of the sin in your life. You have to take ownership of your faith. You have, to, you have to know and learn and trust and show the love of Christ in your life and serve God. So turn to Philippians chapter 1. So we're going to be reading tonight. We're going to be actually in a couple different spots. It's not going to be up on the board because I want you guys to practice opening up your Bible. So if you have a Bible, open it up. I want you guys to turn there. Verses 3 to 11. Philippians 1, 3 to 11. I'm really going to only focus on one verse, but the entire um, eight verses kind of gives you a little bit of background on it. This is Paul writing to the Philippians, the Philippian church, okay? So I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about it all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness 
how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 6 is what I'm going to really focus on tonight. And this is one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible, in my opinion. Christ, who started the work in you, is going to perfect it. He's going to see it through. Whatever he started in you, he'll see it through. When we first put our, put our trust in God and, and we have a relationship with him, it's something called regeneration happens. Now, some of you guys are like, Duh, what's that? I'll explain it. Class time with Ben Ron. Um, <laughs> you guys have had enough school today. But regeneration, so like you guys who are like Halo junkies or I don't even, if Call of Duty maybe, I don't know, I've never really played those games, but you find like this health pack and you hit it or you shoot it and it's like, and you're like, 100%, 100% health, you can go and kill more aliens. Hoorah. It's kind of the same thing. When we don't have Christ in our life, we're dying. And we're dying quick. And we come and, and we start that relationship with Christ and we're healed. We have life. 100%. Eternal life. That's what he's talking about. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Until we are eternally with Christ Jesus. He's going to perfect us. He's going to tweak us. He's going to work on us. Main point for tonight. Allowing God to finish his creation in you is serving and worshiping him in the best way possible. Allowing God to finish his creation in you is serving and worshiping him in the best way possible. And I love reading... Paul here, in, in, these after, in these verses after 6, he's saying he's praying for them with, God is my witness, I love you guys, I'm praying for you, thank you for supporting me. Keep going, keep pursuing that knowledge, keep pursuing Christ, keep serving others, because you begin to be able to discern what is, what is good and what is not. You begin to be able to grow in Christ, become blameless until the day of Christ. You're filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come through through parting lifestyle, doesn't come through sinful natures. It comes through Christ Jesus. We are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. We are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. This whole thing being called a product, how, how I said this talk is called the product, well, what does that mean? If you ask any business person, business owners, they create products to ease the completion of a task. They create products to help people's lives become easier. Instead of picking out every little lint piece in the carpet, we created vacuums to suck it all up. Instead of having to dip your finger in the butter to put it on the toast, we created knives. So that way you can just simply put butter in your toast and eat it. These little inventions that we have, these little products that we have, are meant to ease our lives. Christ creates us he regenerates us. Again, that means he gives us life. He works on us. He grows us. So that way we can be a product to help, to help ease the lives of others. We can serve them. Kind of a weird analogy, but we can serve others. We can serve Christ. We can glorify him through that. So Jesus Christ, he came on this earth to serve us. He humbled himself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to see that, and I'll read that in a little bit. He came on earth to serve us. He was known as the Son of Man. That's awesome. You know, Jesus Christ, our King, our Savior, 
He's also known as the Son of Man. So what he calls himself. It's not what others gave him. He called himself that. Allow Christ to continually chip away at you and tweak you to become a product that is effective for his kingdom. Some businesses, if they, uh, like if you guys heard about the recall with, I think it was Toyota or Dodge trucks, one of the newest lines. There's something messed up in the, I don't exactly know what it was, but they have recalls and, and there's something that broke or not working right and they have recalls. They bring it into the shop, they fix it, and they send it back out. It's the same thing with us. We might sin, we might slip up, we might fall, but Christ calls us back and he calls us back in the shop and he says, work on this, do this. He convicts us and he sends us back out. We never want to leave the battlefield. God, God gives his hardest battles to his strongest soldiers. Shoulders. Got a pretty strong shoulder. What's up? I'm kidding. Soldiers. I can't say that word very well. But allow God to work on you. You guys ever see that, that play with the skit guys is what they're called? And they have this thing. He's like this dude's chipping away with a hammer and a nail thing um, on, his, on his buddy. And he's saying, what are you doing? He's like, I'm working on you. I'm molding you. I'm molding you to be the man that I want you to be. God is going to mold you and tweak you and remodel you to be the person that he wants you to be. We can always have an impact on someone's life or group of people. So our culture today, this is so frustrating to see, especially in young, young students, young high school kids, middle school kids. We don't think that we can have an impact on someone or influence unless we're famous. Unless I'm smoking hot, drop-dead gorgeous, I've got a million bucks in my pocket. I can't have any influence. Half the influence we see this, this culture, probably more than half, is not good. Not at all. Baloney. If someone tells you that, if, if you're trying to do something, and they say, well, you're never going to make a difference, man. You're just a high schooler. Chuck him down a, a flight of stairs or something. <laughs> like, I'm kidding. Now your moms are going to hate me. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to come home. Billy, why'd you throw... Why'd you throw Jamie down the stairs? Oh, because my youth pastor told me to. It's biblical, Mom. I'm kidding. Don't do it. But it is baloney. It's just a bunch of lies. You can have an impact and a lasting impact on people. You just have to be willing to. When I was a sophomore in high school, my mom came to me, and she asked me if I would be willing to, to mentor a kid, to be a big brother, to be a father figure to a kid. His name was Caleb. He was just a third grader, fourth grader at the time. His dad is like, had left his mom. Um, other situations, his family, I can't really share with you guys. Really, really messed up, bad family. And my mom came to me. I knew him because he went to our church every once in a while. His mom and him and his sisters. And my mom asked me, she said, Ben, would you be willing to spend time with Caleb each week or each day and, and mentor him and, and be a brother to him? And I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm like, Mom, I don't, I don't know how to do that. How can I do that? She said, Ben, you've got a good dad. Just the way that your dad spent time with you, how he hung out with you, do it with him. Just spend time with him. You don't have to, you don't have to guide him spiritually. Like, you don't have to do devotions with him every day. I mean, I want you to, but you don't have to. I said, all right, I'll, I'll give it a try. And we started hanging out. I started hanging out with Caleb. Super good athlete as a young kid. I'd always just go over to his house and play sports with him or play video games or hang out with him and his buddies. I'd go to the, the YMCA and work out with him. We just started hanging out, and he loved it. We started doing devotions. He started growing in the Lord, and it was awesome to see him grow like that. And then soon, junior year of high school, my senior year of high school, a couple more guys started joining us. A couple of his buddies, my youth pastor's 
Um, son started joining with us, a, a kid a couple years older who kind of came from the same circumstance that Caleb did, started hanging out with us. It was just a great time of fellowship, and I was able to impact these kids and disciple them, share the love of Christ with them, spend time with them. One of them, my senior year, I, uh, I was interning for my youth pastor back home, and I shared my testimony of an open fire. And I don't have a cool testimony. It's just kind of a regular testimony. I never did weed or anything. You're like, oh, I want to have a cool testimony. No, I was never that. But it affected this kid, and his name was Walker. And <laughs> praise God for this. It was the first time I've ever been able to have a part of leading a kid to Christ. He was in sixth grade at the time. It was awesome. I called my mom and dad, like, blubbering like a little girl. Like, this is awesome. I love God. And this is so amazing. And the moral of the story is Walker is now a freshman in high school. He's got a relationship with the Lord, and he's battling for his life with leukemia cancer. And I love that kid. And God helped me have an impact in his life. And, and the four other guys that we hung out with, Quentin, Morgan, Joel, Caleb, Walker, those five guys, every time I go home, I hang out with them still. Every time I go home, we have a Bible study. We go out to eat. I might be two hours away, three hours away, but I can still have an impact on them. And I was in high school. I was you guys' age. My parents, my parents deal with a lot of of troubled youth. And there was one in particular who was a couple years older than me. Uh, His name was John. His name was John Barker, really big, really, really strong kid. He, uh, was sent away to juvenile detention in, in a correction school for a year, year or two. And very, very bad family. His, his parents didn't care about him, none of that stuff. And my, my parents kind of took him under the wing. They went to visit him all the time when he was in this correction school, about 40 minutes away, 45 minutes away. He got out. He gave his life to the Lord. And he started, he just turned his life around. And now, 10 years later, he's a youth pastor in Lamar's, in my hometown. He's a youth pastor. Because of what my parents did, how they affected him. They didn't spend every waking moment with him. They didn't, they didn't tell him, you need to serve God. You need to do this. They just spent time with him. They invested in him. They loved him. They showed him the love of Christ. And they did share the word of God with him because he was interested in it. Duck Dynasty. You guys have all seen that, right? How many of you guys have seen Duck Dynasty? Quite a few. Really funny show. You guys know how that started off? Phil Robertson started off just by making those on his own, and now it's like a multi-million dollar company. In that TV show, there's two high school kids, actually there's like more than two, but um, Sadie and uh, John Luke, if you guys follow them on Twitter or Instagram, or even Reed Robertson, if you guys follow them on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, they post Bible verses all the time. At the end of each show, they pray. How many millions of people Watch that show and see that, that aren't believers in Christ. And yet they eat it all up and they pray. The impact that they have, they started small and they're growing. My parents started small with, with one kid, with John Barker. And now he's, a, he's affecting 40 other students in his youth group. Kind of like what Dakota was talking about last week. You affect one kid, that kid goes out and affects two more. Two more, two, blah, 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 blah. It keeps going on like two times two for 30 days adds up to like an un- unbelievable amount of, of people. Same thing goes with us. We can start small. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Turn there quick. We are commanded to be like Christ. And, and Christ came on earth to serve people. He started off small with 12 disciples. And he had a lasting impact on them. 1 Corinthians 
11.1 says this. Let me get to it quick. Pretty short and sweet verse. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. That's a pretty bold statement by Paul. Once again, Paul's writing that. Pretty bold statement. But he could make that statement because he was true. He was serving God in every way possible. Paul was a persecutor of the church. To those of you who are saying, well, I, I can't be used by God. I'm, I'm just a little freshman. I can't be used by God. I've sinned too much in my life. Well, Paul was like murdering Christians. You guys know that. And he is known as probably the greatest evangelist other than Jesus Christ in our world today. He affected so many people. And he still does with his writings. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Write that down. It says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Be imitators of God. We are commanded to be like Christ. But in order to do that, we have to get rid of the sin in our life. We have to take ownership of our faith. We have to spread the love of Christ. We have to serve others. Do not ignore the train whistle blowing through your backyard. Guys, our nation is crying out with abortion, homosexuality, partying lifestyle in teens and your own friends. What is stopping us from talking to that one friend about Christ? What is stopping us from going alongside of them? I'm not saying you just have to go up like, hey, why don't you believe in Jesus? Hey, I've noticed you cussed. I noticed you just had, you, you talk about having sex with a girlfriend. What do you think of Jesus? It's probably not the best way to go into it. Walk alongside of them. I didn't start off, I, I, I don't remember exactly how long it took me to talk about Christ with Caleb, but it took me a while to, to get up the courage. It's like, hey man, where are you at with Jesus? Like, do you like youth group? Do you like going to, to church? But when I did, I didn't regret it. I grew a relationship with him to the point where it didn't matter what we said with each other, we were cool with it. I mean, granted, we're 10 years apart, but same basic principle with my buddies even. I remember asking my best friend in high school once. I was like, man, what's holding you back from, from being a follower of Christ? And he'd been going to youth group for three years. He was like right on the verge, and he just, he just kind of said, you know, it's like, it's just my parents. My parents wouldn't, wouldn't like that. And I kept talking to him and investing in him, and then we went to college, and I stopped, I stopped doing that. I stopped investing in him, walking with him, and Things just turn bad for them. Don't regret anything in high school. I might have Eli come up here if he's willing to, to sing a song. I'm going to pray, though, real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for, for tonight and these students that come um, week in and week out. And God, I pray that they would just be willing to take that step and serve others and serve you and... Um, Give them a boldness, God. Give them a courageous heart. And I pray we're able to uh, just talk about that tonight in our small groups. Amen. My time zone when my mind's gone and I'm flying home and I'm stressed out and I'm tempted to get that style phone and go pull it up but you know what's up and you know that ain't gonna solve nothing I mean Lord forbid I might follow something and I'm all another cuz so hold me 
down like bitch straps to the psych ward. It's killing me, but you still with me when I fight hard. And Digging me when I'm eating you. Deal with me when my car's pulled. Could've dealt with me, but you fell for me for I fell for you. Keep me on that right path and the right math. Is you plus nothing's everything. You my everything, same. You ain't gotta question my allegiance. Cause the way you love me, I can never leave. I need you. By my side, thick and thin. Highs and lows, don't let go.